Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Macharco. This is George Macharco, host of DC Entrepreneur here on WERA 96.7 FM. And today in the studio, I'm speaking with Mimi Millard. She's the founder of Deloon, which is a menstrual health company that offers a safe and effective alternative to conventional period symptom management. Thanks for dropping by, Mimi. Thank you for having me. So why don't we just start by having you introduce what Deloon is and the products that you offer, and then talk about how they're different than other period symptom treatments. Absolutely. So Deloon, like you said, is a menstrual health company dedicated to really improving the lives of people with periods from a holistic standpoint. So our current products, we have the Pain Tonic, which is our bestseller. It's a liquid supplement that's designed to be a safe and effective alternative to the conventional treatment method for period cramps, which is over-the-counter painkillers, which don't work for everyone. And in a lot of cases, they cause severe side effects. That was my kind of origin story with starting this company. I've always had severe period pain and really relied heavily on painkillers to the point that it was such a part of my routine um, and I couldn't go through the month without them. And I would be missing school and work as well, you know, each month unless I took these painkillers that I was developing side effects to. So the pain tonic is really a response to that lack. And then we just recently this year came out with our second product, the PMS pills, which are more of a preventive daily supplement. So they are meant to manage the intense mood and hormone fluctuations that occur throughout a natural menstrual cycle. Um, So yeah, we are kind of creating the market that we're in, in that most people just stick to the status quo in terms of their period care, which is really either powering through it, unfortunately, or taking these over-the-counter drugs that are not the best option for everyone's health. Do you mind me asking which medications you were taking as yeah. far as the painkillers? I mean, I took everything. In my case, the final straw was uh, Midol and Menstradol. Mm-hmm. Midol really has caffeine in it, right? Yes, exactly. And when I realized there was caffeine in it, that was a big, that's pretty telling to me that mm-hmm. these drugs aren't really designed for my long-term menstrual health. They're designed to make you feel like you can get through the day, um, which if you're taking them month after month in handfuls, you know, it's not going to have a long-term benefit for your cycle. So that was my breaking point. I I took too much of my doll and passed out on the college campus where I was working. And I just decided to, you know, find a better solution for myself. I had an intuition that this problem did not affect only me. It affected lots of people all over the world. But it wasn't until I really got into it and started sharing my solutions with other people around me that I realized how pervasive and how severe the problem really is for people with periods who can't find symptom management that works for them. Mm. And so talk to me about the story behind Deloon. Like, how did you discover your path as an entrepreneur? And how did you know that this is something that you wanted to work on? Yeah, I definitely did not think that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was studying engineering. um, So I had a little bit of chemical engineering background, which helped me when trying to think through what's going to work for my body and my cramps um, in devising these solutions. Um, So I was testing on myself a lot in college just while studying. 
um, did not study business, but once I had a working prototype and I saw that there was an alternative to the painkillers that I had been so reliant on, I really just felt a need to share it with as many people as quickly as possible. And that's still what just fires me up. Like seeing the testimonials come in every day, who, people who are really using our products is what makes it all worth it to me. And it doesn't matter what I have to learn. I'll learn whatever I have to in order to make this work because my, I know how urgent the problem is and I know that there's a solution. So I don't know, entrepreneurship just kind of fell into place that way. Now, I was reading your slide deck, and one of the things that really s- struck me was that you made $56,000 in revenue without even having a marketing budget. Yeah. So, and then that's direct to consumer sales, right? It's direct consumer and um, retail as well. Mm-hmm. So, we do B2B, um, and now that's more like 66, but about 60% of our sales so far have been through retailers. So, we are doing both, um, and ideally, we want the bulk of our sales to be direct to consumer just because there's obviously a huge subscription opportunity for products like ours when this is a monthly disruptive recurring issue. And when you bring people directly to your website, there's an opportunity to further tell your story and share content. Um, So that's the goal. But so far, having retail partners throughout the country um, has been great for just getting exposure and social credibility and a third party you know, voucher for us. Yeah. Which stores are you in? Um, we're in Urban Outfitters and Credo Beauty throughout the country. And then we're in mostly smaller wellness boutiques mm-hmm. and apothecaries. And so you mentioned just briefly about subscription and how that could be an opportunity. Yeah. Is that something that you plan on seeing in the future for Dylan? Definitely. That'll be our focus. So like you said, we have not spent anything on marketing to date, which gives me a lot of confidence in our plan going forward. If we can get all this traction just from, you know, people sharing us organically, there's so much opportunity and low-hanging fruit when we finally do start spending on ads. Um, And that'll be the goal for sure, definitely harnessing our social media engagement and search engine ads um, to really bring people to the site and have them get to know us as a brand. How have you gone about funding your startup? Are you bootstrapping this or have you gone about getting funding from like a bank loan or or have you sought out investors? Like how have you gone about that? Yeah, in the beginning it was very bootstrapped. So myself and my first co-founder just putting in whatever little money we had to create an MVP and bring it to market in a small way. Since then we've been lucky to have two uh, angel investors through Friends of Friends who Mm -hmm. really just believed in us as a team and what we're doing and wanted to get behind a socially driven company with with a purpose. So that has all gone into R&D, really, and bringing um, the pain tonic, the PMS pills. And our third product, which um, was a PMS chocolate that we launched in April, uh, bringing those to market. And yeah, from here, we are definitely embarking on our fundraising journey, trying to close a seed round in the next month or two. You, you just talked about R&D. Can you talk to me about how you develop the products, like what that process looks like? So in the early days, it was me testing on myself, reading through health forums and seeing what ingredients um, really worked for menstrual health for other people um, and kind of trial and error process. And then luckily, once I was able to bring on my co-founder, who is an incredible dietitian and nutritionist. Her name is Courtney Mazak. She was really the brains behind the current formulations. So working with her to do it, just a comprehensive review of every clinical study pretty much that exists for the symptoms that we're targeting, 
um, that's how we selected the ingredients in each product. So we were looking for ingredients that had real clinical evidence of efficacy on first period pain and then the PMS symptoms that we were targeting, and also really great safety profiles. So that was a big um, point for me because the whole reason I wanted to switch off of painkillers and other conventional treatments was because of my health and safety. I, I did not want to compromise my health um, for short-term uh, effect. So we wanted to be at that nexus of safety and efficacy and not compromising either aspect. And so all the ingredients are natural, right? They are all herbs, vitamins, and minerals, yes. And so I saw some of the ingredients I was, I was looking through, like fenugreek is one that's mm-hmm. used, which I think that helps with uh, what specifically, the pain? Yeah, fenugreek mm-hmm. is one of the um, antispasmodic herbs that's in the pain tonic. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one's incredible because it's it's not only based on the clinical studies that we've been looking at from recent years, but it's really an ancient herb that's been used for centuries for menstrual health specifically. So the seeds themselves are used um, and we extract them in apple cider vinegar to create this really potent extract that works to regulate the cycle and also stop cramping as it's happening. What's special about our products is they're each targeting something different. So to date, like period symptoms have really gotten lumped together, I feel, okay. which is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're told to either power through it, like I said, or get on birth control, which is a pretty extreme measure um, for managing period symptoms, or take these painkillers, which are for pain. But period symptoms are so much more nuanced than just pain or, or not pain. Um, so the pain tonic, which is this liquid tincture, Um, That is specifically for cramps and it works. It's designed to work like a painkiller. So 20 minutes or less, it will relieve those cramps. Whereas the pills are totally different mechanism for totally different symptoms. Still within the world of periods, Mm -hmm. it's just we want solutions that are as nuanced as the problem. So the pills are an everyday supplement for managing the hormonal fluctuations throughout the cycle. And you said it was a preventative too, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because usually you know when your cramps are coming. With mood swings, it's it's kind of hard to predict, and they can occur at different points throughout the cycle. So it's nice to have a supplement that is being more proactive about managing that and keeping the hormone balance you know, stable throughout the entire month. Okay. And so are these basically for PMS, or are they for all the entire menstruation cycle? The pain tonic is for cramps, okay. which is only during a few days of the month. Mm-hmm. The PMS pills are for... PMS, which is every day. It manifests itself differently in every person. So that's why we wanted to make it every day um, so that you kind of have all your bases covered for the PMS symptoms. Have you been getting the word out about your products? Because I've I've seen that you have really great social media posts. On YouTube, you have a clever video of these guys that are experiencing period pain. Has that been the strategy using social media to get the word out? Yeah, definitely. That has been the strategy. You know, people, I think, are ready to engage on this topic in a way that they haven't been yet. So as as you know, periods have, for whatever reason, been seen as a taboo topic that just, you know, isn't mentioned a lot in normal society. Even if you have extreme period pain like me, it's not something that you necessarily feel comfortable with sharing with your boss or your teacher or not seen as a valid medical excuse, really. 
Um, and that's really challenging. So we are doing our part to kind of normalize menstruation because it is such a normal bodily function that occurs to half the population for decades. Um, and yeah, the, the most powerful way that we've been able to do that so far is through social media. Um, and our Instagram is pretty provocative, some would say. I mean, we, we don't shy away from really discussing the nitty gritty details of what having a period is like and all the struggles that can come with that. How, how so? How is it provocative? Um, well, for example, we show blood. Um, which is not something that everyone is comfortable seeing or even acknowledging, but the blood is an important part of the period, and it's something that we want to um, respect and kind of show and normalize as much as we can so this this monthly bleeding is not seen as something that's um, shameful or disgusting. It's a normal part of life that really needs um, the proper care. So showing that and and sharing different people's stories about, you know, their period journey and how it's changed throughout their life, because periods change all the time. Like you can develop new symptoms depending on if you have a child or not, um, if you're on birth control or not, it changes constantly. The important thing for me is that no person with a period feels alone in that, because I know that I really struggled um, wondering if this pain was normal or if anyone else was going through this, because you honestly don't know. And I'm sure, like, you don't know all all the ins and outs of periods, like even just discussing PMS and cramping. Most people I talk to, if they don't have a period, they're really not familiar, which is kind of shocking to me because it's like, it's something that so many of us go through on such a regular basis. So we're trying to get the word out that this is normal and it requires real holistic care. And and do any of the products handle the emotional part of having a period? Yeah. So the PMS pills are really meant to target the mood-related symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of mood swings throughout the cycle are tied to hormonal fluctuation. And the ingredients chosen for our PMS pills are really meant to manage that and keep those mood swings at bay. Let's shift gears here and just talk about your journey as an entrepreneur. Can you talk to me about, you, you mentioned you didn't think that you really were an entrepreneur before you started this company, but yeah. you know, you, you've enjoyed it since you've built the business. So far, so good. What do you know now as an entrepreneur that you wish you knew when you first started out? Oh my gosh, so much. Um, I think it's really uh, challenged me to let go of my sense of perfectionism and risk aversion. So I, I studied engineering and I was always taught to not really speculate and not say things that you're not sure of and really make sure that you know what's going on with your experiment or whatever you're studying before putting forward anything. And with entrepreneurship, I've found that a lot of times you're just making bets. You know, if it's in your marketing strategy, you have to test things out constantly and it's messy and it's not going to be perfect and it's not going to be easy to measure everything and it's not going to be right the first time. So it's really encouraged me to be okay with that mindset of imperfection and um, not everything is quantifiable. And also just, you know, the aspect of learning things well enough to get by. I wasn't always comfortable with that, but that's really important as an entrepreneur, I feel, because especially as a CEO, you have to be well-versed in everything that's going on within your company whether you're a specialist in that area or not, I still want to know at least enough of what's going on, like 
with the developer who's working on my site, with the social media influencer manager, with the finance guy that I'm consulting with, with the lawyer. I want to know a little bit about everything, enough so that I feel in control of the company and I can call things out when they're going wrong. And that kind of breadth of knowledge as opposed to depth of knowledge is not something that I was comfortable with before, but it's definitely, it's been a learning curve and it's served me a lot. What part of the business do you like focusing on the most and Mm. which do you like the least? Definitely the most is the customers. Like any chance I get to, I want to talk to them um, and I want to talk to them on the phone and I want to, I'm hooked up to the intercom on our website. Mm -hmm. So my phone will buzz all the time with real people asking me, like, hey, I'm on my period, which one should I take? Um, And just having that immediate connection with other people who are in the position that I was in is so invigorating to me because that's the whole reason that I'm doing this, just to prevent anyone I can from going through what I went through. And when I hear their testimonials on the other side of that, it's it's everything to me. So that's definitely my favorite aspect. And I I can hear in their voices when I do talk to them how special it is to have someone talking to you about your period in the first place, which is kind of crazy, but it's pretty rare. Um, I can tell that these people that are sharing their intimate personal details with me online or on the phone, like this is a first experience for them in a lot of cases. You know, they haven't they haven't even shared this with their doctor which is not ideal, but I'm happy to be that space um, online, at least for that conversation to happen. My least favorite part? That's a good question. I mean, the fundraising aspect is really hard, and we're just getting into that now. Um, We've been pitching for a while, but it's it's just very iterative. So, you know, you finish your deck and then two days later you want to start it over (laughs) because things have changed. So getting used to that and getting comfortable with constantly really selling yourself and and being sure and being confident of your own value, um, that's not an easy thing to do when you're a first-time founder. So that's, yeah, I would say that's my least favorite right now, but hopefully in a year I'll feel differently. Maybe I'll grow to like it more. Why do you think that there is this kind of taboo talking about menstruation and women's health? you know, in a larger sense, right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely multifaceted. I think it's unfortunately an inherently sexist thing um, that, you know, if this is a problem that only affects women, um, it's not seen as quite as much of an epidemic as something that would affect all genders. You know what I mean? Um, And for whatever reason, it's it's been tied to shame. So I don't know how that started. I, I don't know why, but having that shame be kind of built into your body is, is really deep and it gets really ingrained in society. So even in schools, um, I think there's a huge disconnect in terms of, you know, what what boys are taught versus what girls are taught in their sex ed or health education classes. I remember for myself, I didn't have any education around my period at all. And I would hope that all children would be educated on that going forward. Um, it's just such a, an important body literacy topic, I feel. And it would really help to remove that shame um, while, while kids are still young. 
So it sounds like part of what you're doing here is you also have a social mission, right? Definitely. Yeah. That's what drives the whole thing. Um, And I think investors are interested in that. I think people want to support something that is not just financially driven. And and there is a huge financial opportunity with periods and menstrual health care because it's really an untapped market. But having the opportunity to really change lives and create social change um, and, and create a shift in how people view the menstruating body is is just huge. So, yeah. Now, you have a team of experts in New York City, Los Angeles, D.C., and Chicago. Can you talk to me about how you built the team up sure. for Jaloon? Yeah. So the team right now is pretty lean. It's, it's five people, essentially. Um, and we are trying to plan out, you know, what are the next steps once we do get funding and once we are focusing on marketing more and specializing our roles. Um, right now, everyone does a little bit of everything. But um, like I said, my co-founder who's in Chicago, she is our registered dietitian and nutritionist. So we consider her like the head of product and she really keeps us um, tied to the research behind each product. And she helps us convey the value of that research to our customers. So if you go on our website, you can see every ingredient laid out and an explanation of why those ingredients were chosen and all of the different randomized placebo-controlled clinical trials that went into that study. Um, so we, we really value that evidence-based approach. Um, and then my other co-founders, um, like I said, we all wear different hats, but I have one who specializes in design um, and development which has really helped with getting the website up and running and all of our visual assets um, and a partner who has a finance background, which has obviously come in helpful so many times, especially during the, um, the fundraising aspect. Um, and, and now have a partner who is an e-commerce strategist. So that's been a really key missing link for us since we do want to push the subscription model going forward. Mm-hmm. Are, are the bulk of the sales going through your website? Yeah, for yeah. A subscription. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So now, what categories do you fit in as far as the marketplace? Are you? I mean, is this something you would see like at a vitamin shop mm-hmm. or like a GNC, or is this, you know, if it's not a dietary supplement, is it? it would it be somewhere else? Like, how do mm-hmm. people discover your product? Yeah. So we are a supplement, but we instead of going like the GNC and and pharmacy route, we've really resonated with smaller wellness um, and clean health and beauty stores. So I think that's mainly because our shopper is there most of the time. Mm-hmm. So the young millennial or Gen Z woman who's you know shopping for their own self-care is generally drawn to these um, you know boutique places that cater to wellness specifically. And it's really a great time for us because we see this trend of you know gravitating towards clean, better for you versions of products. That hasn't translated into menstrual health yet. So it's it's clean beauty, clean eating, even organic tampons have taken off in the last few years. Um, and this I see as kind of the final frontier of that, um, you know, resolving that 
discrepancy between eating organic food and going to yoga class and all of these different things you do for your body while still taking a handful of painkillers that are hurting your body. So trying to bridge that gap with those shoppers. Are there any regulatory hurdles that you have to encounter? I mean, I don't know if the FDA regulates what you do, but are there any things on that side of the business that you have to be concerned with? We are supplements, so it's kind of Wild West territory. We are very careful about what claims we make. So we have to have FDA disclaimers on all of our products that these products are not meant to treat, diagnose, or cure disease, of course, but that's true of all supplements. So as long as you're smart about the claims that you're making, and the claims that we make are really about the ingredients and the structure and function of those ingredients and the clinical studies that have been proven to show their results. So, um, yeah, as long as you're careful about that, it's it's really, you can say whatever you want. And that that's a double-edged sword, too, mm-hmm. because with a lot of supplements, they take advantage of that. And they market supplements in a way that's really false. And so that's been a challenge for us, too, because, you know, the supplements industry is full of a lot of snake oil right now. I think there's distrust, especially with um, women's health supplements, people just trying to sell you a product um, or like a detox skinny tea product that's not really going to work for you. Yeah. So we that's why we bring first and foremost the testimonials and the clinical studies to our buyer's attention. So in dysmenorrhea, you found that like most people are taking ibuprofen, mitol, yeah. Yeah. aspirin, basically over-the-counter kind of things. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're taking on a big kind of giant marketplace like that? How do you tell your story effectively enough that people will, you know, trust Deloon yeah. versus, you know, Midol, which yeah, has always been kind of touted, right? established company, yeah. Um, it's hard. It's like David and Goliath, right? Uh-huh. Like, we're really getting <laughs> out there. But I think it's really needed. It's, it's just such a lack because dysmenorrhea is the leading cause of absenteeism in women under 30. So it's this huge problem. There are 60 million menstruating women in the U.S. today. Huge market, huge addressable market. Um, And we know that most of them, um, 50 to 70 percent of them, are using these over-the-counter painkillers to cope. Even though these drugs present side effects in 60 percent of users, So that alone is like, there's a huge lack there. It's not just that the addressable market is huge, but the market is severely lacking in healthy alternatives. So yes, it's hard to be the small guy, the underdog alternative against this really established status quo method of treatment, but I feel it's so needed. And the fact that there are so few alternatives is really the opportunity for us. Mimi Millard, thanks so much for stopping by the studio today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. We'll catch you next time here on DC Entrepreneur. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dc-entrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode, and thanks for listening.